So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And you know, I, D- David, some days it's easier than others to be positive. Uh, today, <laughs> I, 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 I'm kind of swimming upstream a little bit on the positivity scale. Yeah, swimming, swimming, against the, swimming against the tide of positivity or something. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, positivity is easy. You're, you know, you're, you're in the current. Everything's just kind of clicking, but... Yeah, it's been a bit of a challenging week. Uh, tough for Allie, tough for me. We've been at each other a little bit. Uh, yeah. The weather hasn't been fabulous. Uh, you know, we've encountered some difficulties here and there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I, I've been uh, intermittent I, fasting this week. So I've been a, a kind of a oh. horse's ass. <laughs> 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 I'll just admit Ooh. that. Oh yeah, yeah, Lord, yeah. help me! Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm with you on that train. Yeah. So, so I'm really glad that you know we're having this scheduled conversation today. It's a reminder to me that uh, there are positive steps that I can take, and I can begin with gratitude. I can begin at you know with paying attention to what is going right and what I am able to do today. Yeah. Uh. I'm grateful to be back home, uh, grateful to have my office back together and the house is kind of settling back into order after we had some renovations done. I'm easing back into a routine, able to start being uh, creative again in a more disciplined way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doing some writing? To, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to write some this last week. That felt good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. Well, I think that's important, though, because I'm, I find that I'm more positive when I engage that prefrontal cortex in my brain in yeah, something yeah. creative, creative energy, uh, something that I can invest myself in that's um, a little bit bigger than myself, you know? Yeah. Um, and if I can get into that space, I can, um, you know, I can, I can endure the sugar drops and the, <laughs> the blood sugar <laughs> yeah. plummets and all the things that make me cranky. But um, but I could still live out of a, a a bigger other centered space if I'm engaging in something bigger than myself. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That sounded pretty. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I will tell you, it felt good to be writing this week, even though I was writing about a difficult subject, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. turbulent. Because so I uh, I wrote a little piece called Ravi and Me, mm. uh, writing writing. I don't know. Most of our listeners, I imagine, will have heard of Ravi Zacharias. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a very prominent Christian apologist, writer, speaker, lecturer, mm-hmm. uh, worldwide acclaim, died about a year ago. Uh, from what I understand, you know, the hashtag, thank you, Ravi, had more than three billion impressions worldwide. Wow. Uh, you know, he was a guy with, uh, you know, a bright and shiny reputation, really uh, an icon. Mm-hmm. Uh, until, you know, a f- about eight months after his death, when word came out that there was uh, a part of Ravi's life that people didn't know. Mm-hmm. A few people knew. One of those was a woman who, uh, you know, watching all the adulation online, just got angrier and angrier because she'd had some uh, very hard experience uh, with Ravi. And uh, she then went online and found that a few years ago, Ravi had been accused of, uh, you know, unwanted sexual advances and grooming and uh, really, you know, sexually assaulting. I'm not sure what, exactly what all the words were, but he definitely crossed major lines, was accused of it uh, right. by a woman. And uh, his board had done somewhat of an investigation. Uh, Ravi had very strenuously protested his innocence, uh, had said that this woman had stalked him and sent him naked pictures and then tried to blackmail him. He even went so far as to countersue her and her husband for a substantial amount of money, mm-hmm. uh, damage done to his reputation. Um, the investigation didn't turn anything up. Uh, and uh, this, the, the lawsuit was settled. What Ravi told everybody, including his board, was that no money had changed hands. But it turns out now that money had changed hands, that he paid the woman and her husband, uh, along with... Uh, a non-disclosure agreement. Uh, they were left not able to talk at all about the terms of the settlement. Uh, and, uh, well, you know, as it turns out now, uh, this, uh, after his death, a uh, uh, woman now lodged another complaint board now authorized another investigation by an independent firm. In that first investigation, Ravi had never turned over his uh, phone or his electronic devices. He'd always paid for them himself and kept them as kept them private. This time, his his family turned those over. Everybody expected him. I think most everybody within his inner circle expected him to be cleared. Uh, but once the investigators got inside his phone and uh, electronic communications, it was clear that. Uh, Ravi had gone quite a ways off the reservation for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Had gone to extreme lengths to cover his tracks, but in the meantime, had uh, exploited and damaged an awful lot of people. Mm-hmm. Such such was his reputation, Ravi's in, reputation for integrity, that nobody blinked when he opened a couple of massage parlors in Atlanta. Mm. Uh, because he was Ravi Zacharias uh, mm-hmm. when he would spend uh, a month at a time in, in Bangkok. Nobody uh, blinked because mm-hmm. he was Ravi. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, of course, now, I mean, it was absolutely devastating. 
uh, I greatly admire his board. His board, when they found the truth, didn't sugarcoat it at all, uh, took responsibility for uh, their poor oversight, uh, did not try to gloss over Ravi's uh, wrongs or failings, expressed deep regret, and uh, said that his victims were entitled to reparations. Uh, his ministry, which was, you know, which has done so much good mm-hmm. uh, right. around the world and have been such encouragement to so many, uh, was shuttered effectively under the weight of the scandal. It's really a tragedy for Ravi's, you know, family and uh partners in ministry and all those hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people impacted by his public life. Mm-hmm. Um, Ravi was, you know, the guy I aspired to be when I was a young man. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to be the Christian intellectual who would be equally at home in a college uh, lecture hall or, you know, a small town living room. Uh, I wanted to be relatable and, uh, and I had a sincere desire to serve God and to love people. And I also had, even in those dark years, you know, a, a devotion to my wife and a love for my wife and kids, but none of those attachments were strong enough to compete with, uh, my addiction once it took hold. Mm. Uh, now, unlike Ravi, I, uh, I was only able to live in that tension for five years and I wound up abandoning the ministry, right? I quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't build a worldwide ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back, I can see that it was really, you know, fairly easy for me to quit. I was only 30 years old. Um, it wasn't too late to start over in another career. I didn't have a massive following. I didn't put anybody else out of work when I quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, it hurt, but it was it was not an enormous sacrifice. It was selfish for me to to quit. I did it out of self preservation, and I'm glad I did. Ravi didn't. Uh, he never came clean, and he was able to keep his secret to the moment of his death. Now we kind of have this unfolding tragedy. And I think, you know, there are lessons to be learned from the tragedy of Ravi Zacharias. For one thing, uh, I I hope that we don't, first of all, I hope we don't excuse for a moment Ravi for what he did uh, or downplay the damage that he did. His board isn't doing it. I don't sense that his family's doing it. There is an awful lot of, you know, grief, sadness, regret, empathy, Uh, you know, at the same time, uh, I hope that we do not uh, write off everything that Ravi said and did. Much of what he did was of tremendous value and hopefully enduring value. Um, And um, I hope that we learn from the experience one thing I hope that we learn is that um, no matter, and, and I had met Ravi once and I was captivated by the guy's presence, mm. just his 
bearing and the way he spoke. It's hard for me. I, I cannot believe that he was nothing but a fraud. There are probably those cynics who would want to be able to write off his entire life and say he was a fraud from start to finish. And he was a con. I don't believe that at all because I know that wasn't true of myself. There was beneath my duplicity uh, a sincerity and a yearning for an integrity that I, that I just couldn't put together. And also a terror that I would be discovered for who I really was uh, or who I really am. Um, I, you know, I, I hope that we will modulate and moderate our opinion of our leaders, no matter how impressive they are, uh, and not allow anybody to be uh, to to place themselves above suspicion or above reproach or beyond accountability. I think Ravi uh, managed to be of such a stature that people, nobody was asking Ravi the hard questions. Right. And, uh, uh, and I think he, the culture that he was a part of and the culture that he helped create left no room, at least in his mind, mm -hmm. for him ever to come clean with how dark his behavior had become. Mm-hmm. That's a hard, hard conversation, and it's a, it's a, it's a blow to the community of faith. Once again, a guy who was held in such high esteem uh, has been proven not to be as advertised. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I know it's been it's been a really, really rough uh, acknowledgement. You know, just a rough revelation for an awful lot of people. And I, I felt it myself. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Nate, it's um, all of us in our addiction, in our behavior, um, the things that people love about us and hold us up on a pedestal for, um, it's as if we don't have this other side to us. And mm -hmm. if we lose sight of that other side, and I don't mean just like a, you know, good David, bad David, I mean that the, there is, there is, I think in recovery, the beauty of recovery, maybe this is a better way to say it. The beauty of recovery is when the parts of me that are complicated and the parts of me that are celebrated can be integrated. Wow. There's a line. Oh, I love it. Well, thank yeah. you. We'll, we'll pull that out. <laughs> the parts of me that are complicated and the parts of me that are celebrated can be integrated. Right. Wow. I like But it. in my addiction, I don't believe that's true. Mm -hmm. You know, in my addiction, I believe that I'm only good if I'm celebrated. I'm only good right. if I'm this guy up here, out here. Yeah. Whatever yeah. people have paid to see or whatever people think, you know, of me yeah. is what I have to maintain. You know, and um, and and the 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 freedom of the integrated self is, mm -hmm. um, you know, th and that it, that's actually makes me sad for uh, men and women like Robbie who maybe didn't discover that, mm -hmm. you know, that that yeah. bought bought into the belief. And I don't know what he thought. I'm not trying to be presumptuous about that, but, but assuming he may have thought that he was only as good as his public self. Yeah, um, right. that there couldn't be freedom in this integration, you know. So I, I, 
I hope that our listeners, because I appreciate you sharing that. That's a beautiful, um, I think, um, way to lay out a really tough situation um, yeah. for people here. But our guest today, too, um, is coming from a very similar place. Um, and and we we talk a little bit about, um, you know, how that um, how that the, the tension in that space. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And how it can, even if it doesn't prevent us from ever walking into the light, it can delay our entrance into light. We can hang on to that reputation much longer than we need to and cause suffering for ourselves and others uh, until we get our thinking straightened out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great conversation. Uh, listeners, you're going to enjoy meeting Justin. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Dave, not all that long ago, David, you were on a a, a virtual speaker meeting. I was. Invited there by a listener, yeah, and yeah. made a great connection. And now the guy who is behind that whole thing is joining us on our show. Why don't you go ahead and do an introduction? Yeah, I thought it was such a great concept because uh, the RICO 12 podcast, R-E-C-O 12, like short for recovery, um, is brought uh, together by Justin Barton. And Justin is our guest today. Um, But, you know, a lot of times speaker meetings, um, I love speaker meetings when they are you know, the, uh, any 12 step group, you know, will know, uh, what a speaker meeting is someone sharing their story and, you know, uh, where they were, what happened to them, where they are now. And, um, but sometimes those are hard to make, you know, uh, a noon mm-hmm. speaker meeting, you know, if I can't get away from work or whatever, um, you know, I, it, they, they can be tricky. And Justin has created a way for the noon speaker meeting to exist virtually, uh, on like just about everything we're all doing <laughs> these days with, COVID and everything else, but um, he has brought the speaker meeting uh, to a place where you can uh, enjoy it live. You can go to the podcast, but I'm going to let him tell you about uh, all that and then kind of how he got here with that concept. I want to hear about his recovery story. So um, enough with my uh, long rambling setup, Justin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Nate. Appreciate it. Um, I am very grateful to be here. You, uh, you've also put together a great podcast and the Positive Sobriety Podcast that I've enjoyed several episodes from, and and actually gained a a, a couple of speakers for that speaker meeting. One was you, David, a few weeks ago, yeah. uh, and the other, and the other will be this this in a few days here. Michael Brody White will be a guest speaker um, this next, Great. this coming Friday. But a little background on myself. I, I myself am a recovering addict. I am a sexaholic, a sex addict, um, and just grew up, was exposed to pornography initially at six years of age, um, carried that secret and shame throughout all of my Growing up years, uh, never told really anybody, um, mm-hmm. not my parents, not my friends, not my siblings, not my ecclesiastical leaders, nothing. And I, you know, lived this outwardly religious put together life and inward inside. I was uh, a, a dark mess. Like as we read in scripture, I was a whited sepulcher full of dead man's bones, you know? Mm, um, yeah. 
And even into marriage, I never told my wife when, when we first met and got married. And 10 years into marriage, I finally hit a wall where I, I just was not, the incongru- incongruency was such that um, it, it just was not good. And so I shared my struggles mm-hmm. with my wife and, and, um, and gratefully, well, obviously it was very difficult, but gratefully she went and sought support immediately. She made it so it wasn't a secret she didn't go blab it everywhere, but she made it. She mm-hmm. went and shared with our ecclesiastical leader. Thank God he referred her to a um, a spouse and family support type twelve um, step group. Gratefully, that group was healthy for her, um, and she started working the steps herself to find her own healing and and recovery in that. Um, me being the proud. I got to do, I got myself into this mess. I have to get myself out of this mess type person that I am. Took me another eight years before I finally stumbled into a 12 step room of recovery and admitted powerlessness Mm. and unmanageability. Even though since the time I was six until I was 38 years old is when I, so 32 years of, of, Mm. uh, successfully quitting every day (laughs) only to start again, you know, an hour later or the next day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah. so now what do you think it took you eight yeah. what do you think it took you eight years, Justin? What, I'm what, a proud what do you think, SOB. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as anyway, you're in good company here, but uh, <laughs> with the rest of us. But um yeah, do you think it was just a belief that you should be able to handle this in a particular way yourself? Yeah, there there were a few things, and one of them is that I thought that I should be able to, that God doesn't give me anything more than I can handle is kind of what my belief was, you know? Mm. Um, but my thought was I was strong enough to handle anything God could give me, not that I could handle it with him, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that he could handle it for me actually is, Mm -hmm. is, is the truth that I've learned. Another thing is, is that I, I was in a place of leadership in my church. Um, I was fearful that, uh, if anybody knew my secret, that their testimony, their their witness would be harmed by my own weaknesses, that uh, uh. if they knew about this, I would be ostracized in one way or another, you know, whatever. It's all pride. It's all false front and, and really lies in the end. Mm-hmm. But I think those were some of the things that took me so long to get to that point of, uh, of finally going, well, <laughs> I got to do something about this. And even then the 12 step room I went to was miles away from my home, even though there was one, you know, less than a mile from me that, that was, uh, (laughs) that was available. I did not want to see anybody I knew didn't want to, you know, have that risk of, of embarrassment happen. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So after many years of, of working the steps, so from, 2013 until that was about 2017 when it, you know, I'm doing my morning devotionals, I'd write, I'd journal a whole bunch of things. And one day I, I had this great insight into what I was, what I had studied. And I thought, wow, I want to share this with my Facebook friends. And I shared this thing and got a whole bunch of feedback, like, you know, and, and the pride, once again, the ego got stoked. And I started doing that mm-hmm. daily, just posting my devotional stuff on Facebook and after a while, I started listening to podcasts and I was like, huh, this is kind of a cool thing. And so I created a little podcast. It was called Know and Do. You know, what I know, I need to do something about it or it doesn't do me or anybody else any good. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that went on for a little while. I started interviewing people with uh, know and do projects is what I called them, things that they were doing based on things that they learned to try and um, share that experience with others and, and, and do something good with the knowledge and the wisdom that they had received. Um, eventually, that changed to another titled podcast, which was um, interviews with people called Journey Through Life. And in the Journey Through Life podcast, I'd interview normal people, average people with extraordinary stories, ordinary people with extraordinary stories was the tagline. And these long form conversations just brought me a lot of meaning and fulfillment. Um, and then uh, at the end of 2019, as I was, you know, working recovery, um, sponsoring others and everything, I had this, this thought that just kept coming at me of Justin, you need to do a 12 week series on each of the steps of recovery and interview a different addict, uh, you know, an addict from different backgrounds and faiths and addictions and everything and ask them about step one or step five and have an hour long conversation with them. And it was an amazing experience for me. My whole, um, outlook, my whole understanding of the steps and of recovery was greatly, greatly enhanced because of, of that experience. And after the 12 week series, I went back to doing regular interviews. And after about three of them, I went, my heart is no longer in this. It's no longer in this. Mm. And that was about at the time, at the start of mm -hmm. COVID. Um, my heart is in recovery in doing these things for recovery. Um, and at the start of COVID, my, my fellowships that I was attending, that I, um, you know, my face-to-face -face fellowship shut down. Uh, and I had to go find some mm. online 12-step online fellowships and found um, fantastic ones that really, they're my people. You know, they are, um, mm -hmm. they're my family now. And uh, in that time, I started, somebody started asking about, you know, speaker meetings and this fellowship didn't do speaker meetings. And I was like, huh, well, that would scratch an itch for me if I were to host a speaker meeting and do it virtually and create it, you know, do it in a podcast format where I was still using that platform that I, um, you know, I'm not great at it, but I love it. It brings me fulfillment. So thus began the Rico 12 speaker meeting podcast. Um, and, uh, that's the general overview of what brought me to where I am today. What are any questions on that? <laughs> <laughs> there goes the interviewer in me <laughs> yeah now that, that's the big vacuum now no yeah. I've, I've got a few things but nate go ahead you were about to say something well you said vacuum and I, I i've had my microphone on mute because i've got workmen in my house and one of them's running a vacuum i don't know if you can hear it <laughs> uh <laughs> oh I, I i love this story i love uh, Justin, that you have discovered what David and I have discovered, which is, you know, recovery is something we keep by giving it away. Um, and I, I love that you have been uh, innovative and, you know, moved around and, and you're open and creative and find different ways that you can share recovery in a way that strengthens your own. Um I'm curious, and I also resonate with you because, like you, I'm a recovering uh, sex addict. One thing that was a real revelation to me in recovery was a discovery that I'm really not that different from other addicts, whether they're uh, addic addicted to a substance or to a process. 
I'm wondering, you know, as you have interviewed other recovering people working, uh, you know, recovering from other uh, addictions, where are the similarities and where are the synergies? And if you've noticed differences, where are the differences uh, in this large and varied tribe that we find ourselves a part of? Yeah, thank you for asking that. That's one of the reasons why uh, one of the things that I learned most from doing that 12 week series in the in the journey through life uh, journey through life uh, podcast was interviewing, you know, sexaholics, alcoholics, drug addicts, um, um, codependents, uh, anon, so spouses of, of, of addicts. I learned that there is so that the base of this issue is so similar. Um, and I think that's really addressed in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous too. Although it's all, it always talks about alcoholism. The, the, the story that's behind it is so similar. I think some of the similarities include, you know, the, the feeling of, of otherness, you know, not fitting in, in whatever situations. I think it includes um, shame, uh, uh, the feeling of I'm never going to be good enough and I'm never going to please my parents or my teachers or whoever it is that I'm trying to. So I'm just going to fake everything and put on this mask. That's another similarity is the mask. The, the, um, I'm putting on a show and man, I'm such a good show putter on her. I'm a terrible actor, but I can put on a show. I can lie and, and tell, uh, and make myself look like a fantastically put together person. And gratefully, um, you know, I, I think I have been blessed. And one of the reasons of, of that I believe that God has blessed me with the ability to speak and to, to ask meaningful questions of others is so that I could get to this point where I could do these things to be of more help, more service to um, my fellow men. Now, those are some of the similarities or the mask and everything. Uh, one of the things you mentioned was differences. Um, as I've dug deeper, Really, the only differences I see is that sometimes we as addicts try and silo ourselves. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a sex addict. I'm a Mm -hmm. kleptomaniac, whatever it is. I'm a gambler, whatever it is. And we try to shut the door to others because they're not like me. Man, the more more I uh, uh, talk to varying um, addicts from all sorts of backgrounds, faiths and everything, the more I recognize that I am them and they are me. I mean, my story is theirs, even though it's not the exact same path or the exact same, uh, uh, process that it went through, I can so easily put myself in their shoes and recognize, wow, you know, either there, but for the grace of God, go I, because I am definitely that person that could do that. Or wow, I have actually been there and I get it. So those are some of the similarities and the differences that I've, I've seen. Yeah. I think we're all addicted to escapism, you know, in, in the circles that we're in, you know, uh, regardless of which path we, that found us, I think um, we, we found that we could not um, stay in ourselves for some reason, you know, it quit being okay to be us and we had to find a new way to do it. And so I think that for sure we've got in common with one another. And I love that you, um, I think on your website said that you had um, kind of designed the speaker meeting so that it would um, kind of include everybody. It, does, it doesn't 
have to, you're not, you're not presenting it as an AA speaker meeting or a SA speaker meeting or an NA speaker meeting. You're really saying, you know, this is a kind of, these are universal principles and um, people are sharing with them. What are some of the stories that have impacted you um, that you've had other people share at the, at the podcast? Yeah. Some of the ones that have most impacted me are stories that, uh, um, relate to people's higher power, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, their, their discovery of, or, or learning, relearning of the truth behind who their higher power is, who their God is to them. Mm -hmm. Um, there are so many, um, there are so many instances and I'll just, I'll just speak from my own experience. My whole life, I believed in God. I was a religious person, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I believed that the God that I believed in was the one and only true God, you know, and as I came into recovery, I started, and it was actually about four years into sobriety. I started to recognize these scales that I had on my eyes, not scales, but like filters mm-hmm. through which I, I would look at, at God and, and I'd, I'd be putting attributes of my mom or my dad or my junior high teacher or my you know, scout leader or whatever on God mm-hmm. that made him this um, angry and punishing and, and fearful, you know, fear, fearing type God who was not all powerful and could not save me from, from my own mistakes mm-hmm. because he was imperfect. Like all these other people that I had plastered on, on his face, you know, basically. Yeah. And, and, and as I hear other people talk about that and hear about their connection with God, whether it be, you know, um, through different practices, they use meditation or, you know, two-way prayer or, or, or different practices of, of really step 11 concepts. Um, those are some of the things that have most impacted me. There's like step two and step 11 comp, uh, um, situations and, and shares. So. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask too, before I forget, Justin, um, you mentioned earlier, you were uh, on staff at a church. Was that right? When um, you really had to face your addiction and your reality. Um, I was on staff when I got sober of a church. Um, what uh, I was on staff when I got sober of a church. <laughs> I was actually, let me say it another way. I misplaced some things in that sentence, but it may have been more true this way. Um, but I was on staff at a church when I got sober. Um, I'm not, now I am sober of a church too, but that's another story. <laughs> what, uh, how did your church handle, <laughs> how did your church handle your news or did you come out with that right away? I mean, obviously not right away, but yeah. So, so I held a position in the church was kind of a leader over a men's group. Um, uh, um, and the, the pastor, the bishop of, of, of my congregation was aware of things. I mean, I had talked to him a few times and minimized everything, you know, obvious, well, not obviously, but that's how I roll and how I've seen many addicts roll is I'm going to tell the absolute minimum that I need to tell in order to feel like I'm <laughs> unloading something, you know? And, uh, um, I was not let go or released or whatever at that point. Um, and, and I really, even, even when I was first for the first couple of years of attending meetings and working the steps, having a sponsor and everything, it was all so under the radar in, in regards to, you know, my church 
Um, only, only my leader, direct leader would know about it. I, I went on and did different things at that time. I was, after a little while, I was released and, and reassigned, recalled to work with young men, um, and, and things like that. But, um, really it never came out public, um, with the church. Now, now, uh, a position I hold in, in my church is, is, um, uh, I actually have responsibility over the addiction recovery program in my area, and I'm very vocal about things now. Oh wow! Uh, there's no shame. Uh, yeah, I yeah. have no shame about it. I mean, I don't obviously go up and sit at the pulpit and say I'm a sexaholic, but I talk about addiction yeah. firsthand. I talk about recovery. Mm-hmm. I talk about hope. I talk about um, that it's not a dead end if I'm willing to reach up and take the hand of my higher power and let Him drag me out because He will. And so it's, it's a little bit different situation. Now I'm, if somebody were to come, if, when somebody comes up to me and says, Hey, tell me a little bit about your addiction. I'm happy to say, Hey, I'm a sex addict. And here's, you know, here's where I struggle with those things. And, and here's my sobriety date. And here's the hope that I have and sharing that experience, strength and hope. So. Yeah. Awesome. I wonder if you could talk a little bit. We have uh, listeners to uh, the show who are uh, partners of addicts. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about the, those awkward eight years when your wife is uh, seek, seeking support and she's doing her own recovery work and uh, you're still stubbornly uh, trying to be your own uh, sponsor and your own savior and figure it out yourself. Uh, yeah, what, what were those years like and in what ways has your marriage relationship changed since uh, you got in the boat with her? Yeah. Thank you so much for asking that question. Um, I'd love to have her answer that question, but I'll do, I'll do the best from my, my perspective and my experience there. Um, so during those eight years for the first year or two, every you know week, every time she went to a, a meeting, she'd come back and she'd say, Justin, you need to go to these you need to go to these support meetings and start learning about this stuff. You are an addict. You have to do this. And I'd be like, no, I got it here. Give me one of those books. I'll read it. And that'll fix me. You know, <laughs> so she gave me one of those books and I read it, you know, and, <clears throat> and after about two years, she stopped saying anything to me other than her own experiences. She'd say, Hey, you know, today I learned about this. Um, uh, she, she was sponsoring other women. She was, uh, being very involved in, in, in the recovery world and getting her own healing, making her own connection with God. And, you know, she's leaving me in the dust is what she was doing, but I still didn't, um, you know, my pride was too much to say, uh, yeah, all right, I need some help. And some of the things that I did that were just appalling is <laughs> sometimes when she would, uh, be saying things like, uh, um, you know, kind of picking at me or something about something unrelated. I'd turn to her and I'd say, Hey, are you taking my step four inventory for me? Even though I'm nowhere near, the only reason I knew about it is because I read the book, you know, <laughs> and, and I'd throw it right back at her, you know, I'd throw things right back at her. And sometimes I still do that, which is brutal. That's one of my definite character weaknesses, but it's throwing things back at her or somebody else. Um, but thank God she was just so patient and, and, and loving. Now she was not, uh, she stopped being enabling after a while, you know, at first she, she'd always say, Hey, I wish I could just 
put you in my pocket and protect you and control these things. After a while, she stopped that and um, just kind of recognized that she can't make me change. The only one that can is, is God, myself coming to the realization that I need something more and God pulling me out of it. Um, and gratefully, and that's not everybody's story. She stuck with me. A lot of people lose their marriages over these things because of those things. And so far, our marriage hasn't been lost one day at a time. Uh, our mm-hmm. And we still are not great at communication with each other. We're still not uh, perfect in any way, shape, or form. But uh, we are walking a very similar path. She's still very involved in in recovery, as am I. She's still eight years at least ahead of me in that process. But um, we have similar goals that we're walking towards. And and I've seen the the diagram of the triangle diagram of, well, it's of relationships, but I, I make it of recovery. We got God, our higher power at the top, myself and my wife down at the bottom mm-hmm. corners. And we're both moving closer to God and that, in that process, getting closer together too. So that's kind of our, our story. Not perfect, um, but it is growing and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think your mic, your um, mic is muted, Nate. There There we go. All right. Got to notify Rex. We've got a problem at 24 minutes. Uh, Well, this has been a very encouraging and inspiring conversation, uh, Justin. And what I really hope it is going to do is uh, help to motivate even more of our listeners to share this great gift of their own recovery. What I love is that you're not, you don't, you don't pretend to have it all together. You're not the guy with all the answers. You're just a guy in process, but you're a guy who has learned that the most valuable thing we can share with another person is very often not our strength, but our weakness, not our answers, but our questions that mirror their questions. Uh, It's uh, at vulnerability is really what makes us um, useful to one another. And the great gift of recovery is we find, you know, we find a safe place now to just kind of take off the mask and begin to say true things in a way that, uh, you know, where once we might've been impressing a lot of people and at the same time intimidating them, now, I don't know about you, but my experience is people are a lot more genuine with me now than they were back when I was faking my way through life. And they tell me things today that they never told me back when I appeared to have it all together. Um, yeah, somehow in my admission of my weakness and frailty and foolishness, I have become, strange as it sounds, more useful to my higher mm-hmm. power. And uh, you've discovered the same thing. You're walking it out in a way that's helping other people. The ripples are spreading. Uh, Really excited about this speaker meeting. I can't wait to attend one myself. How are our listeners, uh, what's the best way for them to find your your podcast or the speaker meeting? uh, Let me get this straight. can, Can you attend the speaker meeting live or subscribe to the podcast? Yes, both. So so the speaker meeting is held live every Friday at noon central time. The way to get in on that speaker meeting is to go to the website, rico12.com. So it's R-E-C-O-1-2.com. Yeah. 
and one of the links is join us up at the top of the page. And if we click on uh-huh. join us, it'll you put your email address in there. I'll send you an email uh, weekly, one email, two emails mm-hmm. a week, one on Wednesday to say, hey, here's what our speaker meeting is. And then about half hour before the meeting. All right. If you want to join live, here's a reminder to do it. Um, and we do that in a webinar uh, situation. The speaker and 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 the host are the only ones on camera, so the uh, the live audience is just watching basically, and then they're uh-huh. able to type in questions. You know, so the speaker speaks for twenty five minutes or so to the bottom of the hour, and the audience and me get to ask questions of the speaker for the next twenty to twenty five minutes, and we're always done within an hour, so it's a lunch hour meeting. Um, another way, the other way to 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 listen and uh, participate is to uh, find us on any podcast platform. Look for Rico 12 speaker meeting podcast. We're on pretty much every podcast platform there is. And you can, I have that uh, meeting that we record live on Friday up within two to three hours afterwards. Uh, just like this, I do very little editing. I just, uh, just do some, some, uh, some work there really quick and put it up live. Um, and, and kind of the catch line of the RICO 12 is, and this is the introductory line I read in here, we are an organization whose addictions include alcohol, drugs, lust, and sex, food, and gambling, just to name a few. We come together from all pa- places, faiths, and backgrounds to learn the similarities of addiction and to gain tools and hope from others who are walking a similar path. So that's basically the outline of it. And man, it just helps me a ton, and hopefully it helps others too. Yeah. I know it will. I I have um, seen, you know, the the speakers you have, and and it's diverse. And I think it's like you said, it's an umbrella um, group where I think any of us can benefit from from the the stories. Uh, the mm. you know the the power of the me too, <laughs> you know, um, is is great in that in that concept. So, uh, Justin, I appreciate you uh, coming on and and sharing your story, but also letting our audience know how to access something that I think will be um, really beneficial. I, our our folks always want to know where they can find, you know, something that's uh, one more thing they can add to their uh, to their recovery practice. So I really appreciate you being a part of it. Oh, thank you so much, Nate and David. I appreciate it too. Absolutely. Thanks. All right. Well, listeners, stick with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And um, Nate, I, I really appreciated our conversation with Justin. I um, I feel like I, one of the things that I really like about what he's doing is integrating different facets of recovery under one opportunity to hear a story. You know, yeah, that one yeah. opportunity to hear this speaker that, that we can apply uh, to any of our areas. Because I do think his point about some of us feeling like our particular addictions or compulsivities are, are unique and therefore we can't share space with other people, uh, yeah. you know, that are struggling. I'm experiencing, uh, recovery in a way that is, um, you know, we, we're all trying to escape ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. we're all falling mm-hmm. into entitlement. We're all falling into isolation. We all let shame preach a sermon to us and we, 
buy it and then we go back. And, um, and so I think that, you know, with those things in common, we can listen to just about anybody's story and situation, but, um, but he has had some really good people on this program. And, um, I just think it's a great concept and a great way to spend your lunch hour, you know? Ah, how fantastic is that? You can, you can, I can go to a, a noon speakers meeting or at any given time, uh, any, any time of the week. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, uh, to attending one of those. Yeah. So, um, I hope our listeners will take advantage of that. Go to the website and, um, you know, sign up, get your reminders and, uh, let Justin, uh, give you a heads up and, and get on there and take advantage of it. Fantastic. Well, our time is coming to a close here, David, before we go, uh, it seems to me, in the back of my mind, I, I seem to remember that we have a sponsor. <laughs> we have a sponsor, by God. And here it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And we're and grateful for it. Um, yeah. yeah. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com is our sponsor. And you will see their ads all over the place. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of uh, areas of uh, self-help and recovery and therapy are... Um, are showing up with betterhelp.com as a sponsor, which is awesome. And uh, you can sign on with betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety and receive a discount on your initial visit and your initial subscription. And you will be assigned a therapist, a licensed therapist that will be all yours. And if that relationship maybe isn't a perfect fit, you can uh, sign on for another one. Um, this is a 24 hour, um, opportunity. It's not a, a crisis line. It's not a, you know, a, a, a helpline, but it is an online opportunity to get good, um, uh, therapeutic insight, uh, with regard to depression, relationships, uh, addiction, compulsivity, all these things that codependency, all the things that we suffer with and that we would go to any other counseling service for betterhelp.com is there for you. You don't have to leave the house. You can access it from your uh, devices and um, set up the amount of frequency you want. And um, so uh, sign on and take a look at what is offered there, betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety. And then we can know uh, that our resources are helping you find uh, the the help you need. And we do love to hear from our listeners. Any feedback, any suggestions, send them to positive sobriety podcast at gmail.com. Well, that about does it for this week. I'll let you get back to your sessions. I'll get back to mine here, David. Uh, until next time, listeners, I'm Nate. I'm David. And we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 